So the biggest differentiator, I mean, just how experienced investors, experienced investors are. Welcome to building wealth through real estate. If you invest or desire to invest in real estate, then this show is exactly what you need. And here's why. We all know that the number one thing that you should be doing as an investor is networking. Your network equals your net worth. But how can you use this to your advantage? Well, firstly, take notes. Listen to what the guests have to say. If you're a new investor, you can learn from the mistakes that they've made, the experiences that they've gone through, and learn how they think. If you're an experienced investor, you could see strategies that they may be implementing that you haven't thought of using yourself. Now, secondly, you may have questions. And if you do, great. Put them in the comment section down below, and this way we can be sure to get those questions answered for you. And thirdly, there's a ton of information out there, but I found that most of it is relevant to the US and it's hard to try and take out and extract and see what's relevant to your area. So all of the guests that I'll be interviewing are Canadian investors. So if you invest in Canada, if you're interested in investing in Canada, then this show is exactly what you need. Joining us today is Mr. Calvin Hexter. Calvin, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got started in real estate and your journey to this point? Yeah, of course. So my name is Calvin, like El Ray has alluded to. I run a uh, very successful real estate team here out of Edmonton, Alberta, with our specialty being investment real estate. Um, how I got started? I started in investment real estate back in 2013, and I stumbled upon it because one of my best friends ended up purchasing their neighbor's house. And I've, I know I've told this story before, but... Um, purchased their neighbor's house. He called me and he said, Calvin, guess what? I bought my neighbor's house. And I said, what, what are you doing? Why do you have two houses? That doesn't make any sense. And he's like, yeah, it does. What I'm going to do is I'm going to rent it out. I'm going to see a couple hundred dollars of cash flow. And I was like, that sounds so cool. I mean, most people only ever have one house in their lifetime and you already have two and you're 22. I'm like, this is crazy. I was like, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I've been investing in stocks and I've just been seeing them go up, go down and, and go down further. And then I'm just super depressed for the weekend. I mean, with a house, as long as I guess you're not renting to, you know, young kids that are partying in rent to families in good areas. I mean, this makes sense. So I completely changed the landscape and the, the vehicle that I was using towards my financial freedom goals. Because at that point, at the age of 16, my goal is to have a Lamborghini by the age of 25. Once I turned 25, I knew how ridiculous that goal was. And I was like, why would I spend it on a Lamborghini when I can put it towards investing and get a, you know, get a Bugatti, you know, whatever kind of, you know. So yeah. that really steered the ship early on um, in my investing. And from there, I just continued to purchase additional properties um, at a very aggressive rate. Um, and then I realized that, you know, in my health and fitness career at that time, it wasn't serving me to also be that vehicle to where I wanted to be. And at that point, I thought, you know, I need to switch careers. What should I do? And it was like the hardest couple months ever. I was like, I don't know what to do in life. I don't know what my purpose is. And then I just like, I sat back and I was like, what do I do outside of, out of, outside of health and fitness? I'm like, real estate. I'm like, why don't I get in real estate? And I didn't want to be a crusty old realtor that everyone, you know, when you think of a realtor in my mind, you think of like a terrible suit. You think of someone that's like an alcoholic that's divorced, that just does it for the transaction and the money. And I'm like, that is the absolute opposite to me. I'm literally in the health and fitness industry to help people better their lives, improve their happiness, improve the quality of their living. Can I bring this into real estate? 
I ended up finding a way that I was, I was like, yeah, I, I found out that you actually could. I found out that there wasn't that staple. You didn't have to buy a crappy suit. You didn't have to have an alcohol problem to get into real estate. And you didn't have to get divorced after five years. I actually realized you could have great relationships. You could be extremely health, healthy. You could be extremely happy and you could be extremely impactful, not only with your clients, but also your community. And that's why I got into real estate. Um, since then, continue to invest in properties, have done numerous different styles of investment real estate personally, and I've been doing a ton of private lending as of lately. Um, so that's that's where we started. I mean, that's the, the quick Coles notes of, of Calvin Realty in, in, in the beginning stages and uh, in the beginning of investing in real estate. And I mean, the best thing about you know working with me early on when I first started, I mean, I remember my first six months as a realtor, I was like, why would anybody want to go with me? And I mean, there's 3,000 other realtors out there. And I was like, you know what? I come with a lot of experience and the experience is what not to do. And I simply just have to show a story of, you know, my initial couple investments. And I was like, these are the things not to do. I already took a massive hit on it. So then you don't have to. And already that was like opening the doors for so many relationships early on in my career when I never did any transactions for anybody else. And they liked the ability that I was here to point out the landmines that they could be heading towards. You know, it's kind of like that... Uh, what was that mind seeker game? Remember that old school, like Microsoft mind seeker, I think it's called. And you don't really know where they are. And you're kind of just like pressing and hoping that's like yeah. most real estate investors. They're kind of just like, boop. And they're just like, oh, okay, I didn't blow up yet. And then they're looking over here and they're boop. Did I blow up yet? No. Okay. I'm still alive. So avoid that. I have the stencil to see what those landmines are. Let's avoid them all together. It's way more fun just to go boop, 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 boop. Level pass. Do next level. Let's go. That's why having the right guidance when it comes to anything investment real estate wise or anything you're unfamiliar with, even if you do have experience, I mean, you work with like extremely experienced, wealthy individuals, just getting someone else on the team. But anyways, that was, that was my mindset when I first got into, uh, got into real estate and it really helped me connect to a lot of, a lot of people. So. I love that. I love that. So initially it was the luck of having good, a good friend, I guess that sort of just steered you in the right direction and you just took it from there um okay. and you abs you're absolutely right um knowing what not to do is probably more important than than knowing what to do and as a new investor that's that's something that 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 they feel a lot is uh making making those big mistakes that can change yeah. their trajectory right so i i i love that though i love that and yeah even being even though you were a new realtor you had all that past experience of investing and that's that's sort of the key difference between just choosing a realtor and choosing, you know, an investor focused realtor, someone that, that works with investing. Um, and you, you're absolutely right. You've done a great job of um, being a realtor that's really outside of the traditional sense of what you'd expect a realtor to be. I like that. Um, the modern day realtor, if you would, you know. Um, but before we dive into like the whole the whole point of this episode today is you know how investors can win in this market but before we dive into that could we touch on you as an investor i know you 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 said you you focusing on some some private lending um what are you currently working on and what some of your investing goals for the new year yeah yeah so i currently have i mean i've had a portfolio that i've been building since 2013 and early on, I was like, you know what, what's going to get me there is, you know, just buying properties. And, and then I realized in 2021, 2020 or 21, I was like, you know what, the properties, I like the idea of continuing to add to my doors. Cause I mean, when you're having a conversation, 
and you're dealing with like these big investors that have hundreds of doors. I mean, I can flex how many doors I have as well. And it kind of feels good. It's like, yeah, I have this many doors. But I mean, having that many doors doesn't really mean anything because you never know the health of what those doors are. And, and, and that maturity that I gained through being in investment real estate, not only myself, but also working with such a broad range of investors, I, you know, early on I matured, I realized, you know, how many doors you have doesn't really matter. It doesn't really show it's it, like a lot of people will use it as like a measuring stick or like, you know, this is how big my, you know, what is, it doesn't really show anything because you never know the, what the actual health of that portfolio is. And I realized that it wasn't necessarily serving me at that particular time. So I was managing a lot of my properties, regardless whether you manage your properties or you manage the property manager, you are putting hands on there's time, attention, energy, and money that's contributed towards it. And what made more sense to me in, you know, early parts of COVID was to, to put the, you know, put a little bit of the brakes. I still buy real estate by all means. Like I'm not stopping from buying real estate. I still think that's one of the best vehicles to be able to achieve my goals. But I also believe that in your lifespan as a real estate investor, you don't have to fit one mold. And that's the best part about investing in real estate is you have so many different opportunities to be successful. And I mean, whether you're focusing on like short-term, um, you know, short-term uh, income through fix and flips or long-term buy and hold or doing creative financing deals, um, lending out money. I mean, there's just, there's so many different avenues of how you can generate wealth, whether you're doing investment coaching. I mean, there's literally so many layers of what you can do for it. And I, I, I think for, for what I recommend to anybody is, don't feel like there's one mold that fits all. It's understanding what do you have to offer? What do your current needs of your lifestyle? I mean, if you just had a kid, are you gonna go out and buy a property and be the working partner? Probably doesn't make any sense. Maybe you're the financial partner. Maybe your whole life you're always the the you know the working partner. Maybe be the financial partner for once. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. You're still making traction and gains forward. And that's what I learned as well is that you know I'm not going to just stick to this one mold. And that's why I was looking at other opportunities. What can I do to grow Calvin Realty, the real estate brand, massively? Like make massive a massive splash, not only in Edmonton but also Canada but continue with my investment goals. And at that point, it made the most sense to look into things like private lending, which offered me a little bit more time and didn't require as, yeah, I didn't, I mean, that's exactly what I got back. That the commodity that I traded was time um, or that I got back was, was time massively. And I'm still able to get some exceptionally good returns. And so down the road, when I build up the team to where it needs to be and I have more time, I'll probably get back into investing in larger projects. Right now, my goal for this year is to continue with a lot of high, uh, high end loans, um, and then be looking into multifamily. Um, probably doing like a multifamily building this year. That would be like an ideal year for me, and then continuing to grow the team. So, I love that. I love that. Yeah, as an investor, you go through that sort of that journey, right? You maybe when you start out initially, you don't have the capital. You have some more time on your hands. You could you could be the working partner. You could build up some some sweat equity, and um, eventually you do get to a phase, hopefully, where you know income is is not an issue, capital is not an issue, time is more of a valuable resource, and then you could sort of adjust the the way that you invest. And of course, private lending is probably one of the most hands off um, methods of real estate investing, right? Uh, so um, I like that. I, I, I like that. I mean, to each its own, you know, it's, it's, it's unique to what fits for your specific lifestyle. Um, That's right. Now, yeah. I, I know a lot of investors have, have um, or I know of a lot of investors at least that have stopped looking to acquire 
new properties and are waiting for now, you know, just to see where interest rates are going. For rentals, you know, they may be worried about over leveraging themselves if interest rates keep going up. And for fix and flips, they may be worried their property values will go down and eat away at their profits. Should they be waiting or is now an ideal time to be acquiring properties? I mean, it's 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 actually crazy how busy it is right now. Um, I'm opening my schedule up from like 7.30 a.m. to like 9 p.m. at night. And I did that literally as Tuesday hit of this week, the real estate market's gone mad. It's gone like, and I don't mean it's gone insane in regards to like property prices have gone like skywriting, things like that. But there's a lot of people entering the market. There's a lot more inventory that's hitting the market right now. There's a lot more buyers that are active right now as well. I probably on my phone, I kid you not, probably get at least two to three new buyers every single day, minimum right now that are entering the market that are ready to purchase. So, I mean, if you're, let's, let's, let's break it down. So if you're buy and hold and you're, and you're holding off because of current interest rates, I mean, would you not for buy and hold it's the best in my opinion is to always purchase with equity in the property. At what point do you have the best advantage to do that right now? I mean, you have the best opportunity when there's less buyers out there. When there's less competition on the streets, why would you not want to take that opportunity? Because sellers are getting less knocks on their door. So you as a seller, let's just change the perspective. All right, you're a seller and you came from understanding the market early spring and how busy it was. And and you saw a a lawn sign go up at 6 a.m. in the morning. And then by the time you drive home from your nine to five job, there's already a sold sticker on it right? That's a lot of the mentality, a lot of the sellers of what they saw in 2022 from, from, from January, like 15th to April 30th, the market was crazy. Okay. And then it's leveled off a little bit. And now they're going into, you know, they went into December and nobody was showing the property unit. There was very little showings. So sellers are calling their agents saying, Hey, how many showings do we have in the last week? And they're saying, you know, we didn't have any calling again next week. We didn't have any. So when they get a knock on the door for a showing, is there that next level of desperation? I think so. I know so because we're seeing it. I mean, the average purchase price to list price that we're seeing on some of these deals is just remarkable. I mean, in the city of Edmonton right now, I think it's 90, 98% is the average purchase price to list price. But I mean, some of the deals we're seeing, I mean, we're getting like 80% of list price. And I'm not saying that list price, list price is arbitrary because list price could be anything we want. All right, we could list your house right now for $5 million. You know what I mean? We could list it for whatever dollar yeah. amount we want. We can exactly. offer someone a, $4 million discount. And, and they're going to say, oh my God, it's the best deal. But list price doesn't really mean anything. But in the overall scheme of things, we are seeing a lot of budging room from sellers. And so as a buyer, as a buy and hold, yes, your interest rates are higher. Yes, you might be cash flow neutral. And there are ways of boosting your cash flow in markets like this. But I'd rather purchase at a discount with temporary hikes in interest rates than overpaying for a property and, and having a slower, you know, a lower interest rate. Because these interest rates will change. What's not going to change is me overpaying for a property. I'm never going to get that $50,000 in equity back now. It's going to take me, you know, 10 years to be able to get that, that difference back and that, and that mistake of a purchase. Right now, it's very clear that it's a good time to purchase because there is so many good deals out there and there's less buyers. I mean, you can wait until springtime, but I can promise you, you're going to deal with more multiple situations. You're going to be disappointed more and, and you're going to be like, you know what? They're going to come to you, Elrins, again and say, I think it's a bad time to buy. And then when interest rates are down again, even further, and there's so many buyers out there and it's massive multiple offer situations, let's rewind the tapes to February. Buyers were like, I'm not buying right now. There's too many buyers out there. Well, I'm like, yeah, because interest rates are like, you know, 2%. So, I mean, that's why there's everybody out there. So, like, 
there's always reasons of why not to, but in, in my opinion, you stick to the fundamentals of real estate investing Buy low. I mean, that's the first step to any success. Buy at a discount. If you can buy with equity in the property because you made your first step, right? If you bought a property five years ago and interest rates end up going up, like, you know, it ended up going up. Are you just going to sell the moment that interest rates go up? Or are you going to hold on to the property? You're going to hold on to it because the goal is long-term real estate investing. So if you buy today, don't expect in a year from now that they're going to be at the same height that they are, right? Interest rates will drop. They will balance out and you'll continue to make money. Remember, there's four ways that you make money on, on buying holds. Cash flow is just one of them. You have mortgage pay down, you have natural appreciation, and you get massive tax benefits from it. So don't just focus on the one, focus on the other three. But the most important thing to me is buy with equity and find those good deals. And if you feel like lack of inventory is an issue, be patient because there's a lot more properties that are hitting the market and look at expireds. Expireds are such a huge opportunity because there's a lot of properties that are in a dormant position where they've taken, you know, it's like the big sleeping bear. They're sleeping, you know, if they don't, you know, they start sleeping in November if they don't sell and they awaken in April. What if you knock on the door of a sleeping bear and say, hey, I know you're sleeping right now, but if I can offer you, you know, 20,000 less than list price of what you had in November, would you be open to a sale? A, you're not going to have any competition and I guarantee you're going to get a positive response as long as they're not occupying the property or currently renting it out. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more, Calvin. That was that was perfectly said. Um, and, you know, no one can really predict exactly what's going to happen with interest rates. But even if interest rates were to continue to be go to go to go continue going up, um, I mean, then you'd be buying wallets lower. Right. Um, if they do go yeah. down. Like you say, prices are going to go up again, um, and now yep. you've bought at at a great time. And I mean, you buy now when you when it's a buyer's market, and you you have the you have it to your advantage. You don't have to go unconditional to get a property. You don't go as a, a homeowner, perhaps go look at a home and like, hey, this is my dream home, just to have so many other offers put in and not get it. Though That's now right. is the, the ideal time, right? And by all means, you could always just refinance if you needed to down the line. Um, it's, 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 it's not, it's not an, it's not an issue. So I absolutely agree. Now would be an, an ideal time to, to get locked in. As long as you know that you could sort of handle, you could handle the expenses behind holding the property. It's, 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 it's sort of a no brainer though. Let's talk about if you have a, if you have a property right now, and this is what a lot of investors are dealing with right now. So there's a lot of investors that are calling me and saying, Hey, Calvin, should I sell my rental property? And that's where we go in and we actually have an intelligent meeting to figure out what are the tools that we have to make, you know, to help you be successful. What's a light life raft that we can send over your way. So you don't necessarily have to sell. I mean, me as a realtor, if I came in as that crusty old realtor, that was all about the transactions. This is Apollo, by the way, he likes to hang out during podcasts, as you can tell. Um, you know, if, if, if I came in as that crusty old realtor and anybody came up to me and said, should I sell right now? I would go ahead and say, yes, just sell right now. But the bigger picture is what's always the most important. So why don't we, I mean, we can talk about what are some things you can do if you're in a situation right now and you're cash flow negative and you have too many properties to be cash flow negative on because it is literally tanking your entire business and you don't have any capital to be able to absorb that type of hit. I mean, there's, there's, there's options that you have, right? I mean, some of the immediate options I, I would think of is easiest is more leases equals higher gross rent. So if you're renting out, uh, say, a, a house, a whole house right now, try renting out two portions of it, the basement and the, and the upstairs, or try renting out by the room, 
or adding things like a shed in the back. If you're having like a, you know, if you have a fourplex or a fiveplex or a sixplex, add little things that are going to add additional rent to help boost you ahead, right? And when we're cash flowing, because we're known as the cash flow city in Edmonton. I mean, there's a reason why the rest of the, you know, the country invests in Edmonton specifically, not just, like, I mean, Edmonton over Calgary. There's a reason why people invest here because when the cash flow is good, I mean, it's exceptionally good. If the cash flow is neutral here, just imagine how bad it is everywhere else right now, how negative it is. Yep. So, I mean, I would say be creative and think of other ways you can add additional leases to your property and it boost your gross rent because that will help absorb some of the um, expenses when it comes to the mortgages that we're seeing. You can also look at short-term rental options as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of like short-term rental Airbnb professionals out there. Just try giving them a call, go out for coffee and say, you know what, what if I, what if I were to convert this property to a short-term rental, what's the difference in my gross, you know, my gross revenue I'd be achieving and how much is it going to cost me to get started when it comes to furnishings, when it comes to, you know, the basic infrastructure, the support systems, um, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's options rather than just pressing the eject button and, and having to get, you know, ejected from that property. Um, you just got to look at it through different lessons. And I mean, come on podcasts like this where you can where you can learn from different perspectives because there's a good chance there's probably an answer and a solution out there for you you just got to make sure that you spend the time and resourceful uh and, and are being resourceful to try and find it right absolutely i couldn't agree more and with each guest that i have on i sort of see that unique perspective you know um i i had carlos Ciana lunas on um two episodes before this and he spoke about short-term rentals but you like one thing you touched on that no one has touched on yet is um is renting by the room if you have to like the you know breaking it down further and and and, and splitting that up definitely increases the income that you bring in and that's that's that could be something that no one's thought about so i i absolutely love that um are there are there strategies that you find uh that are more ideal in this in this type of market and are there any that are maybe a bit risky at this point yeah, I mean, things that I'd be looking at right now is I'd be looking at expireds because you're going to be able to find some really good deals um, when it comes to expired listings. I'd also be looking at like agreement for sales are great options right now too because there's a good chance the purchase that the person that you're purchasing from has a lower interest rate than what you're able to achieve. And I mean, if they renew their mortgage, it's going to be at the same rate that you're probably going to be getting anyways. But I mean, find out the term that they have that mortgage. We have an agreement for sale that just went available like three days ago. It's a townhouse. It's $10,000 down. And the term is until April of 2027. I mean, so let's dissect that. So $10,000 down, this property is about like $100 cash flow positive, And you can get the benefits of the mortgage pay down until April 2027. But you could technically sell in February 2027 and walk away with, you know, some major equity gain with very little down. Again, like $10,000 down is, is literally nothing. Um, and by that time, I'm hoping that the appreciation is also better as well. So I mean, agreement for sales are a great option right now for two reasons. Reason one is that there's a better chance you're going to have a lower interest rate that you can just maintain on someone else's name. Secondly, it's also a win-win. Any real estate deal, in my opinion, should always be a win-win, right? You never want to feel good about taking advantage of somebody, right? Like nobody feels good about that. Nobody, nobody feels good about that, right? Even if you say, I don't care, I know that there's something in, in, inside that is bugging you. The win-win for the seller is the seller can get out of a property that they wouldn't normally been able to get out of a because either their mortgage is too high and what their mortgage is outstanding versus what this sale price is. 
it doesn't, it doesn't match up. The mortgage is higher than the sale price, but buyers are willing to pay maybe a few thousand dollars extra to be able to get them out of that tough situation. You know what I mean? So for a lot of sellers, they know that they're able to get a property sold when they need it sold. And there's more people that are interested in AFS options. And for a buyer, they never have to worry about getting the capacity of the mortgage. They can go and renovate the property and then sell it, make a profit, get the mortgage pay down and never have to touch the mortgage themselves. And they're getting, you know, a 2% interest rate. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good option. Absolutely. And that's, that's one thing that I really love about real estate is there's always that win, win, win um, solution. It, it, you don't have to be taking advantage of people to win in this, in, in this space, you know, and you're absolutely right. Like, um, you know, there's multiple reasons why someone would want to sell to you via agreement for sale. I was actually hoping you touch on that. Um, I mean, it could be job loss. They could need to relocate. Um, they just might really need to get out of the property and they're underwater. They just can't sell. So it's either that mm. or it goes into foreclosure, which negatively impacts them when they do want to buy a property going forward. So you helping them out, they helping you out because you get, like you say, a great interest rate. Um, you know, you get in favorable terms. Um, so win-win all around. I think that's a great strategy for this current market. Um, yeah. if we, if we shift that over to like property types, are you noticing, are there like specific property types that you find are more ideal in this market? Um, and are there perhaps others where investors should maybe trade lightly? Here's a quick tip for you listeners out there. As a real estate investor, there's two things that you can focus on that will bring everything else together. The first thing is networking. Go out there and network with other like-minded investors. Look in your area, see what networking events there are and go and join them. If you're within the Edmonton area, by all means, find my contact info below. I'll hook you up with local events and you can make sure that you go and attend as many as possible. Grow your network, grow your network. The second thing I'd say is your power team. You'll come to leverage them quite often. You rely on them to make investing easier for you. They have the expertise that you don't need to have. So I'd make sure that I focus on building a strong power team. If you are in the Edmonton region, if you're looking for an investor-focused realtor, by all means, hit me up. I am licensed. I do have an investor list as well that I just send deals out to investors on my list. So if you are interested in being added to that as well, you can contact me below. I'll make sure to add you. Let's get back to it. Um, I mean, let's think about like, so what is the biggest challenge right now is cash flow. Why a lot of buyers are hesitant right now is because they can't absorb the difference of, of the negative cash flow or nor do they want to in certain cases, right? So let's think about the type of asset that typically is going to give you the best cash on cash return if we're talking about residential. That's typically suited duplexes. So, I mean, if you want to find a great asset that's going to be able to be cash flow positive in a market like today, I'd be looking at a suited duplex. It'll give you great returns. You'll be happy with it. If you have one vacancy, it's not going to cripple you because you have three other leases. And if you have a double detached garage, you probably have six leases on that property. You know what I mean? More leases, more gross revenue, the better opportunity to cash flow higher, right? So I would be looking at, at assets like that um, because you can find some really good options. Uh, again, some investors haven't really looked at other options. They're just looking at selling right now because they're, again, in such a cash flow negative state that it's creating you know, a challenge for them. So they're trying to offload the property and doing whatever they can to do it. But a property like that, a type, property type like that, um, is something I'd be looking at. I'd be more hesitant about properties that don't typically offer you great cash on cash return. I mean, condo apartments, renting out condo apartments have always been the most challenging. Plus you're vulnerable to the condo board, having special assessments, cash calls, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'd be a little bit more hesitant for that. 
but I'd be looking for a type of asset that typically offers you better cash on cash return. Because then if we ever do encounter another market like this, you know that your life raft is a little bit stronger than the next person's. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the Titanic and like El Ray, we have like this, like, you know, this, this massive, like, <laughs> we have this, this life raft that's like unbreakable and it has like heated seats. It has like a little fridge and we're looking over at other life rafts and they're literally on a piece of ice like Leonardo, you know? So like, just, I think, I think when you're looking at developing your portfolio, this is a good opportunity to see is, is your portfolio, is there, is there breaks in the armor? You know what I mean? Is there vulnerability to the current portfolio that you have? Cause it's exciting when all things are great, go buy real estate like crazy. It's, it's relatively easy to find people with money. You can buy lots of properties, but this is a stress test on you and your portfolio. And can you survive it? Because if you can't, it's going to hurt and it's going to cost you a lot more years than it took you to even, you know, took you to even get the property. So I feel like times like this are important because it's a stress test on you as an investor. And it might prevent you from making a catastrophic mistake that could cripple you drastically if things continue to, you know, if something hits us harder in 10 years, this might be a great learning opportunity to maybe make your, your portfolio a little more bulletproof. I love that. I love that. Um, tell me, I know you said suite of duplexes. Um, do you, is there much of a difference between a suite of duplex and, you know, that standard fourplex? Do you have a preference that leans more towards suite of duplexes? Could you touch on that? Suite of duplexes, you're going to get higher gross rent than a fourplex. Fourplex is more of like an apartment style. The, the way yeah. most fourplexes are developed, it's more of like an apartment style. So just for anybody that's listening in or watching, um, it looks like a, a giant block, like a Lego block. Yeah. And you walk into the front door, you either go downstairs for unit three and four, or you go upstairs for unit one and two. With a suite of duplex, you walk directly into your unit. There's less common area. Common area would be the exterior, whether you're walking into the property or exterior, walking out to the garage, but that's it. You typically can get a better class of tenant on suite of duplexes versus fourplexes, and the rents are going to be higher as well. Purchase prices, I mean, fourplexes and suite of duplexes, there is a little bit of a difference. Suite of duplexes, you're going to pay a little bit more, but the rents are going to offset it enough that your cash flow, your cash on cash will be better. I love that. And I love the fact that you mentioned tenant profile, because that's an important aspect that um, new investors, I feel, tend not to look at is tenant profile. Because you have to manage the property once you have it, right? <laughs> you want to make That's sure right. you have you have a good tenant profile in there. So I love that. That's and, solid advice. And I mean, like another thing to be thinking about too is like we talk about you know areas based on the alphabet A B C D, you know A areas being the most desirable, and you know it's it's always going to be a balance. So which areas tend to cash flow the best if tenanted? D areas, right? But you're always going to be privy to a more challenging not bad tenants, more challenging tenant profile and your vacancy rate, your vulnerability rate for a vacancy is higher than if you were to go with a C, B or A property. So there's always that balance. So, I mean, you can find cash flowing properties relatively easy right now, but you're looking in more of those D areas. And it's some investors that have been doing this for a long time, love the D areas because they know how to navigate them. They know how to pull the best tenants out of those areas and they'll find themselves at very little vacancy. They're the ones that have that bulletproof life that, you know, that life, that, that right life, life raft that can just continue yeah. moving and grooving along no matter what the market is. And because they're investing in a D area and their cash flow is so high and, and they have the confidence and they know what to do, I mean, they can win, right? That would be considered more like an investor difficult area. Um, but that's when some people are looking at as well. Like some people are looking 
more into like the Alberta avenues right now or the Mont Roses. And, and we are seeing a bit of gentrification in those areas too. Um, just with the amount of money that the city of Edmonton's putting in. I mean, the city of Edmonton is putting in so much money with infrastructure right now because they're trying to get ready for a massive population growth in the next decade. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're considering Edmonton or any city, always look at to seeing what kind of investment the city's putting in in respect to infrastructure because if they're expecting a large population growth, you're going to see massive infrastructure to be helped support that growth as well. Anyways, lots of stuff to unpack there. I just, I just gave you a big old, I gave you a big old suitcase there, El Ray, and now you got to try and unpack it. <laughs> exactly. There is a lot to unpack from there. Um, and, and we, we've touched on cash flow, And like you say, like having that cash flow, that's, that's sort of your lifeline because if you can't hold on to the property, that's when you actually lose, right? Is if you can hold on to the property, if the prices of your property have, have, has dropped way below what you actually, um, what you, what, what you've paid for the property, doesn't matter if you can hold and see it through, right? It's, it's when, it's when you can't afford to hold on to your property that you actually really lose. So, um, having that cash flow is, is really what protects you. And I mean, we've all heard the saying that cash flow is king, you know, some investors focus more heavily on cash flow and others a little more on principal pay down and appreciation. Given the current market though, I mean, it's no secret that finding cash flow in property is, is a lot more challenging. What factors do you think uh, investors should consider when sort of deciding their criteria for acquiring rental properties in this market? Just between like the short-term cash flow versus the long-term appreciation and sort of finding that perfect balance between the two. Um, I would look at things like, you know, if you were to encounter another market like this, do you have enough income to keep you afloat if you had to, to subsidize your rental or rentals? Right. So when it comes to buying a rental, there's four variables that that I typically want to to know what you know the importance to you is, and then that'll determine what areas of the city that I'd recommend purchasing in. And so those things are like cash flow, tenant profile, vacancy, and appreciation. And depending on the order of importance that you list off to me, will determine which areas of the city that I'd recommend that you purchase. But it's diving into understanding, you know, if you give me tenant profile, cash flow, vacancy. Um, appreciation. I want to know why that are important to you, right? And I also want to know your lifestyle because if something were to go a little more, you know, south, are you are you in a position that will help support those challenges, right? Because when things are good, everybody's laughing, everybody's high five, and but I mean, we're always going to encounter in in ten, fifteen years from now or sooner, we're going to encounter something similar. You know what I mean? Like this is going to happen again, and again, this 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 kind of stuff just kind of toughens you up a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, like you say, it's, it's, it's sort of unique to everyone. Uh, so it's sort of just finding out your unique situation and, and best protecting yourself in the worst case scenarios as well. Right. Um, what, what, what expectations do you have for the year ahead? Like how should investors position themselves to sort of win? What's, what's, how can they best position themselves to win? Um, I think the biggest thing is to spend the time. Don't rush into an investment. Spend the time when it comes to analyzing an investment, spend the time talking to other people and, and don't just jump into something because you're excited. Because again, it takes moments for you to jump into a property, but it can take you years to exit it, you know? So I would just say, make sure you spend the time and you truly understand your, your wants and your needs and make sure you find a property location and a strategy that's going to serve you rather than just what your best friend's doing. Because what they're doing in their lifestyle may serve them. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to serve you when we're going to go in our vehicle. So say that 
Al Ray, I want you to go in your vehicle after we've done this podcast, and I want you to go drive to your favorite destination that's within two hours. And then I'm going to go ahead and do the exact same thing. Are we going to end up at the same location? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not, though. There's probably a good chance. Yeah. I might go to the donut factory or the donut <laughs> mill, you know, right outside of Red Deer. Who knows? You might go to Wobbeman and go ice fishing. Who knows? You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that one is right or wrong. We need to define what is the destination for you and what is the direction you need to head in to achieve that. Even though I might call you and say, hey, Al Ray, I'm actually really curious. Like, podcast was great, man. Like, you're just, you're the best host ever. I had such a good time. I mean, it just, I can't wait to do my next one. Where are you headed right now? And you're saying, well, you know what, Calvin, I'm actually going to get my, you know, catch myself a big fish and wobble and and, and I mean, I may swerve a little bit and be like, oh, that sounds so much better than just going to this donut mill. I might start heading your direction, but it may not be where I want to end up. And that's what a lot of do, investors do is they make the mistake and they're always looking over to what the next person's doing, but they're spending too much attention watching them where they start to swerve. And now all of a sudden it's going to take me a lot longer for me to end up at the destination that I truly want to get to. So I think it's important. Like when you're driving down the highway, you can see what the other cars are doing. You can pick up the phone and call your friend. But just understand the reason of why you're headed in that direction in the first place. Ooh, Calvin, I love that. Firstly, I want to touch on the fact that you are encouraging people not to just jump into it. Uh, I feel like that's a very counter what you would expect a realtor to say. And it just shows how, how authentic you are to seeing people win. So I love that firstly is um, don't just go out and rush into buying. Um, secondly, like keeping that end in mind. And, and your reason for going to that for going to that destination for that end goal um, because it's it's very easy for us to get that shiny coin syndrome and say hey look what that guy's doing that guy looks like he's running miles ahead maybe that's the path I should be taking and we sort of lose sight on 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 our path and and what's best so, for us Elray I'm gonna take it a step further for those that are following the analogy that I'm providing everyone right now so if you're keeping up so far, I'm going to take it one step further. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. Instead of driving two hours, we're going to drive 30 hours. I'm going to say, go in your car and drive 30 hours. You have, you, as long as you have 30 hours, drive in any direction, go anywhere you want as long as it's within 30 hours. I might run out of gas along the way. So I might need a carpool with other people that also are ending up in the same destination as me. Meaning that if you run out of your capacity, financial or mortgage capacity, energy capacity, time capacity, carpool with somebody else or multiple other people that you know are headed in the exact same direction that can help you along the way. So then you can get to your destination. You don't have to stop on the side of the road and head back home and take an Uber. Keep on going. You just got to be resourceful, right? That's JV opportunities. We talk about JV partners all the time. Absolutely. That's why your net work is your net worth right if you find people that's 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 headed in the same direction you absolutely can leverage each other because one person may have the capital the next person may be able to hold mortgages the next person may have more time on their hands and they can be putting the sweat equity into the property and you guys can all go into the same direction i absolutely love that analogy calvin i like the way you just stepped it up even further there <laughs> most uh most investors understand that the real estate market, like anything, is, is, is cyclical, right? Over the long term, of course, it trends up in value. But the magical question is always time in the market. And everyone looks into their crystal balls and they try and figure out and predict, you know, when the market changes are going to happen. 
And of course, it's always speculation to some degree, right? Um, there is the famous saying about time in the market, um, beating time in the market. Do you find with investors that you deal with that the more successful stay true to this while others perhaps hesitate on the sidelines waiting for the opportune moment? Yes, um, we've dealt with investors before that have been on the sidelines. I mean, look at most real estate meetups that you go to. Go to, I mean, go to a real estate investor meetup and just go around and try and meet five people every single time you're at an investor meetup. And you can just ask them, how long have you been, you know, coming to these meetups for? And and tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me, you know, tell me, tell me some of the steps you've taken, the actions you've taken. You'd be surprised at how many people have been wanting to take action for years and years and years and have always figured out the reason of why not to. So do you always want to be asking your questions, why not to, or do you want to ask yourself, Anthony Robbins says the most intelligent people in the world out there, the in the world out there, are the ones that ask themselves the most intelligent questions, right? So why don't ask yourself, you know, instead of it's, write down on a piece of paper and write why not to and scratch it out, scratch it the f out, and and put it, and and put something in there like how do I do this? You know, how can Absolutely. I completely change that mindset? Write it down and just force your brain to go through it because if you if you grew up and you always kind of were, you know, very safe and, and always kind of gave yourself reasons why not to, you know, why not to go to gym class? Why not to hang out with friends? Why not to go on this field trip? Whatever it is. I mean, it's going to take a while to get through it, but literally write it on a piece of paper and like, how can I? And then write on all the reasons and just force your brain to start thinking, you know, how can I start making action? How can I start making change? And that'll be the difference. But I mean, there's lots of investors that will always dream about getting into the industry but the, I mean, look back in the last couple of years, people didn't invest because NDP got voted into our province. People didn't invest because of Trudeau. People didn't invest because of Trump. People didn't invest because of Ukraine. People didn't invest because of interest rates. People didn't invest because the stock market was killing it. People didn't invest because there were NFTs. People didn't invest because of Bitcoin. <laughs> Literally, it, the list goes on of why, you know, people didn't invest because Stranger Things season three came out and they had to watch that instead of, you know, there's always reasons of, of, of why not to invest. Um, and, yeah. and you're always going to give your, the reasons are never going to stop. I can tell anybody that's listening right now, it's never going to stop. I promise you in six months when interest rates are back better, I mean, I'm guessing they're going to be back and better. You're going to find a reason not to. And yeah. in a year from now, you're going to find a reason not to. Maybe you just need that extra push. Maybe you need some positive reinforcement, talk to action takers because yeah, I mean, I mean, Wayne and Gabby Hillier, let's use them as a perfect example. I'm going to give them a huge shout out. The biggest thing for them is they just continue to move forward. They are like this massive bulldozer that are like, I don't care what's happening. I'm just continuing forward. And, and I mean, they'll have some projects that they've told, like they've, they've publicly said they don't make a lot of money on. They're neutral. Maybe they're even a deficit, but they keep on taking action more and more and more. And at the very least, they're getting a ton of experience and a ton of knowledge from what they're doing. Real estate investing coaching is so expensive. I mean, if you can go out there and just take action and, and I mean, make sure that you're financially okay at the end of it. I mean, the amount of experience and, and knowledge and JV partner opportunities, because same thing as me, I made a ton of mistakes when I first started. I can tell you about how to, how to do the worst fix and flip, how to do the worst burr, how to buy the worst, you know, turnkey rental property. I can tell you those stories, right? And, and those stories pack so much value. And, and those that just continue to, to trudge through it no matter the market, no matter who the government, you know, who's voted in the government, no matter if there's no subsidies to help you, you know, 
save on the development of a basement suite. I mean, there's some people that literally just wait until they get grants from, you know, the city of Edmonton or provincial grants to be able to take any kind of action because it's going to save them money. But I mean, that's a very slow moving process and it's going to be very hard to, to hit any kind of large financial goals that way. So. Yeah, I, abs I absolutely love it. Initially, what you said with regards to the questions that we asked ourselves, spot on, spot on. If you're asking yourselves the wrong questions, you're going to get the wrong answers. You're going to take the wrong action. You need to be asking yourself the right question and, and be yeah. very, very, um, in, in like be very intentive towards making sure you you're actually asking the right questions you know um and with regards to wayne and gabby absolutely they're treating this like a business like he says it's transactional and you know That's it's right. sort of it's like getting, getting the reps in um they are definitely crushing it without a doubt um given the current edmonton market and um the fact that edmonton just generally tends to lag about six months behind the Calgary market. Do you find that this helps you better sort of understand what's to come in our market and how to better prepare or advise investors that you work with? And if so, how? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, looking at the bigger cities, they tend to, to hit the curves faster than us. Um, they also tend to, to hit the valleys faster than us too. So, I mean, looking at areas like Calgary, I mean, they're, 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 they're different than us in the sense that they're more weighted on oil and gas and GDP. Um, and they tend to see like rent increases faster and vacancy dro drops faster. They'll also see drops, like they'll see increases faster and they'll see drops faster. So it's a nice little forecast. And we may not be synergistic with the increases and in drops, excuse me, but it's a nice little, it's a nice little reminder. So when I talk to my friends in Calgary and, and they're like, you know what, Calvin, I'm increasing rent by like $150. I'm like, you know what? I know that it's coming in Edmonton, but there's always a, a delay, right? Yeah. Like when housing prices go up, there's always usually a six month to a year delay, even longer in some cases on when you're going to see any kind of benefits from the rental market, right? But there's usually, there's usually a little bit of indication. When housing prices go up, we usually see a boost in rent. And it's usually, again, right around the year is kind of like the average, but cities like, like Calgary might see it and experience it a little bit, little bit sooner. But just don't always expect the exact same thing. I mean, Calgary might be looking at their big brother, Vancouver, and, and you can't expect that they're going to be seeing the exact same things from Vancouver. And Vancouver can't be expecting to see the exact same things as Toronto. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, knowing what you know now with all your real estate expertise and experience, what would you do if you were starting from scratch as an investor? Should you invest, what should new investors sort of keep in mind when getting started in this market? Now, I know you've already touched on the fact that they shouldn't just jump into buying a property. Um, you know, they should be intentional about it. Um, what, 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 what else should they keep in mind? I mean, I, I wouldn't take away my mistakes because my mistakes add tons of value. It's kind of like, if I ever not, if I never got drunk before, when I used to play competitive hockey, if I never got drunk before a big tournament, I wouldn't have realized how bad it was to play hockey hungover. Now I'll never do it again when it comes to like a big game because I just know how painful it is. But I have to actually physically, my dad will tell me, don't drink before a big game, hydrate, go to sleep early. And none of us listened. The whole team went out and had a whole bunch of drinks. We were all hungover and we said, we'll never do this again. Sometimes you kind of, you got to experience it to truly know the impacts and implications to it. So I would never change anything going back because I feel like that served me massively with being able to gain momentum moving forward and being able to understand what those landmines, like we talked about earlier, may be. 
Now, things that I would do different would be, I, I wish I was more resourceful when I first started. I wish I started doing more meetups. I wish I started listening to more podcasts. I wish I started reading more books. I wish I started hanging out with more like-minded people because I would have been able to share my experience, my knowledge, gain knowledge much faster. But I would definitely say like having more um, resources in alignment with the direction I was going uh, would be the biggest thing I could recommend. I mean, if you're brand new, get a solid team. You need a solid team. You need a strong, you need a strong mortgage broker. You need a strong lawyer. You need a strong general contractor, accountant, realtor, um, inspector. Like everyone should be somewhat investor focused and they all have a flashlight and they're going to be able to ask the questions and shine the light in the corners that you're not looking at and might be able to prevent you from making mistakes or be able to say, Hey, have you thought about this? That could make, you know, make tons of sense when it comes to the direction of your you know, your journey. I 100% agree. I couldn't agree more. Like those, those would be the two biggest things that I would think um, I know personally for me was um, emerge, like, like putting myself into the real estate community just going to all the investor meetups, um, joining in where I can and, and networking with a whole bunch of like-minded individuals um, that they served me the best because it just, it, it changes your whole mindset, right? Um, and, you know, like they say, you know, you are like the average of the f five people you spend most of your time with. I wanted to make sure that I was intentionally spending my time with people who are where I want to be. Um, that was one of the biggest things that I could have done. I And the second thing is your power team. I know initially when, when I got started and I started learning about real estate investing, it was like, I need to know everything. And no, you don't. And investors mm -hmm. don't know everything. They leverage <clears throat> their power team, right? Um, that's, right? that's You need a power team that you trust, people that are knowledgeable and have your best interests at heart. And you don't need to know everything. You need to have a good power team behind you. So I 100% agree. Those, right. those two things alone, I think, could serve anybody well trying to get into investing. Um, okay. Knowledge and expertise does not come cheap. I mean, it comes, it, comes at, it comes with a high cost, right? In most cases, it's a combination of experience and mistakes or, you know, failures. Looking back on your journey, um, are there any unforeseen market shifts that sort of threw a spanner into your investment endeavors? And if so, what did you do or could you do about it? I can't say that there was any major market shifts that have like really made a huge, like, I can't really say that as of right now, there hasn't been any major market shifts that have had a massive, I mean, I would say this one, I mean, I've been investing since 2013. This, this one has been the most challenging, I would say out of anything in the last decade. And I think I could say that for most people as well, when it comes to real estate here in Alberta, um, this is probably the biggest, biggest, you know, stress test that we've experienced in the last decade. I mean, we're going to see more right as they come up but i would say that yeah this this is what we're going through right now and i mean this is where i'm really happy that i have some properties that see really good cash flow that i'm still able to be positive with right and i mean there's a lot of other properties where i haven't increased rent because i still want to keep the good tenants so i am very close to you know i'm just making it by i add a toilet there goes my cash flow for the entire year even though that toilet was only 150 bucks you know it's just the reality of it the nice thing is that, I mean, the one thing that most investors will have is equity. So if you ever really needed to, you could always look at doing some kind of refinance to be able to help support a deficit if it can't come from your nine to five job, if that's what you have. Yes, absolutely.
as long as you've been smart about your investing thus far and aren't like way over leveraged kind of thing absolutely you could just tap into that equity um yeah now calvin you work closely with a lot of seasoned investors um what are some tips tricks or systems that you've picked up that novice investors could try and implement themselves so the biggest differentiator i mean just how experienced investors experienced investors are a little more rigid towards the direction that they're headed in they're a little bit less willing to sway if a deal doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense you move on boom that's it there's no emotion to it i would say that's probably one of the biggest things is they have a lot more of a defined path of what they're willing to say yes to and what they're willing to say no to and they always say no more often than they say yes novice investors will say yes more than no experienced investors know that their time's extremely valuable and they're even limited on who they're going to spend it with novice investors in certain cases know their time is valuable spread it too thin to the point where it seems like everyone's grabbing at them and at the end of the day they have nothing left to give to anybody and then they're always in a deficit their bank account their mental emotional and health bank accounts in a deficit because they haven't created those boundaries for themselves and those around them. And that alone can be enough where you start to resent real estate. So setting the boundaries is extremely important. It'll happen as you mature, right? Just like, you know, new agents on the team or, you know, new clients, you know, let's go new clients. I will tell you all the things not to do. You'll probably still do one or two of those things, but you have to experience it. And I'll give you the tools and you may not always use the tools until you're ready to use them, right? So it's just like us in life. I mean, you grow up and you're, you know, your family give you a whole bunch of tools. And even though you have the right tool to do the right thing in this situation, you're never going to use that tool until you are ready to use that tool. I know that sounds crazy, but that's exactly how life works, right? So I can give you all these tips. You can listen to this podcast. You may not make these changes now because you're not ready to, but when you're ready to, you will, you'll start to set those boundaries. You'll start to say no more often. You'll start to be less emotional when it comes to purchasing real estate. The time will come, but that's maturity, right? It just takes time. Absolutely. It's all part of the process, but I, I really love that is, and I've heard it somewhere for sure. And it's, it's more, inf it's more important to focus or to learn how to say no or know what to say no for than it is to say yes and learn what to say yes for. There's a lot of opportunities that we should be saying no to, um, whether that's going out with your friends as opposed to doing something else. We have like a limited amount of time, energy, effort, money that we can use and learning how to say no cuts most of it out and you could focus that more more exclusively on things that sort of serve you so i love that i love that mm -hmm. it's being more aware of what to say no to um start practicing today say say no to something it'll feel good yeah go ahead something yeah. that you normally say yes to just be like you know what no no i'm not gonna do that no. today because that'll <laughs> open up time for you to help focus your attention it's like every single time you say yes to something you're pulling your car over and you're headed towards that destination you're pulling your car over to the gas station and it's taking a little bit longer to get there. Absolutely. And to be honest, on a personal level, that's something that I've struggled with a lot is trying to be somewhat of a people pleaser. Like, hey, you need help with that? Yeah, sure, I'll help you. But knowing very well that that's taking time out of something that's serving my purpose and getting me to my goal. So it's something that I, over the years, had to work on myself is learning to say, look, no, I can't come to 
I can't come to that event or I can't come to that family function to just sit and have cake and tea. You know what I mean? I need to focus on my goals. I need to get, I need to get stuff done. So absolutely. I feel like that's a skill everyone can work, work towards. So thank you for that, Calvin. That's great advice. Um, Another part of building a successful business is building your brand. Now you've done a stellar job at building your brand. Um, What are some things that you've learned when it comes to building your brand that you can share with the audience? So building my brand. Yes. I mean, it's never an easy thing to do. And I mean, the hardest part is sometimes you don't have exact clarity of the direction of your brand or it changes, which can offer a little bit more turbulence as well. I would say when it comes to building your brand, I mean, it's easy to, again, I would say it's almost the same thing in, in respect to new investors and how you can get distracted. You can get distracted by the shiny objects, but you have to think big picture you know, what kind of brand would you work with? What's a company that you would work with? I mean, I wouldn't invest in anything that I wouldn't use myself. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Like if someone came up to me and said, Hey, Calvin, would you invest in, um, I'm just going to use something like curling. Okay. Would you invest in a curling rink? I'm like, you know what? I like curling. I can do it once every five years and then I'm really bored. So I probably wouldn't invest in it. You know what I mean? When it comes to the brand, it really has to speak to you and it has to be something that excites you. You know what I mean? Like, when I think about, you know, Calvin Realty, it's a brand that I would transact with personally. It's if, if I was a consumer, I would be satisfied. I would be happy. I would, I would give them a, you know, I would get, I would, I would refer them business based on my experience kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I would say that when it comes to building your brand, it has to be something that excites you. It has to be something that you would invest in yourself as a consumer. And if you wouldn't, you're probably not building the brand that you want and you're probably getting maybe too much outside influence. There's a lot of people, like, especially as you start to develop a brand and make it bigger, there's a lot of opinions that get into building a brand, which is a good thing. But what will happen is it'll change course, and all of a sudden the brand doesn't feel like the brand anymore. And now that's kind of a stranger, you know, it's a stranger to consumers because the reason why they started investing in the brand may not be the reason why, you know, and, and you'll lose clients along the way, you know, whether you're big organizations, Nike, Under Armour, you mean big companies do change course, right? Yeah. And and you just need to understand what are the casualties. If you're if you're steering this massive cruise ship and you make a massive change, you know, in direction, you're gonna have lawn chairs that are gonna fly out. You're gonna have some staff that might fly out. You might have some, you know, some you know, some some clients that might fly out, right? So it's yeah, just it, exactly. you know, that's the biggest thing that I would say that I've learned is 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 be very defined with with the direction you want to go. Make sure it's something that you'd want to invest in yourself. And just, you need to have that North Star. Because when things get challenging, if you're lost in the woods, and it's easy to get lost in the woods and make very difficult decisions. When you have any kind of company, it's a lot easier to, to look at it from the outside and think, hey, they're doing great. They're doing awesome. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're killing it. But I mean, from the outside, it can look great. But from the inside, there's many, many situations where you're lost in this forest and it's extremely dark out. You don't know what direction to go. You don't know what decision to make because it's decisions every single day. And you just hope to God that the decisions you're making are going to move you forward because you don't always have the answer and no one's there to teach you the answer every single time. So what do you do is you look up and you look at your North Star because that's the direction that you need to go. That North Star is your vision and mission statement and the core values that you've created for your company. So when it comes to making an exceptionally hard decision as a business owner, as, you know, 
as a family man, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a, a realtor, what is your North star? So then you know that can guide you and any agents that are on the team, I'll tell them that as well as I can't guide you for every single situation, but I can always make sure that North star is there. I love that. I, I, I love that. Um, that is honest, practical advice. That's, that, that, that's advice that people can actually take that down now and work on that because you're absolutely right. If you are clear on that, then every decision that you make is based off of that criteria. Does it fit with this? And if it doesn't, then um, the, the decision's pretty easy, right? Um, but that's the hard part, right? Is getting clear on that. Um, mm -hmm. Or it's the harder part to sort of get it down, get it down into words, get clear about what it is that you want to serve, who you want to serve, what it is that you stand for. I love that. Um, yeah. But yeah, you've done an awesome job at, at, at building your brand. So um, I expected I expected an answer of that caliber. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, now, Calvin, when you are not investing, when you are not um, servicing your clients, how are you spending your time? Good question. Well, you guys all met Apollo. So Apollo, we uh, he has a very regimented schedule. We wake up. Um, when we first wake up, we we let him out, then he gets fed, and then he does his 10-minute uh, walk. He's still a puppy, so it's a short walk. And then we do 10 to 15 minutes of training. And then he usually hangs out with me while I work for an hour, and then he gets his kennel time where he's sleep. You're supposed to force puppies to sleep or else they'll never, never sleep. Anyways, he woke up for a nap right before this podcast. It was his lunchtime. So he was hanging out with me and El Ray, you know, and all of you for, you know, 40 minutes. Now he's back sleeping. He takes up a large part of my time. I cannot imagine life without him. If you offered me $150,000 cash for him right now, I wouldn't give it. I would not give it. I wouldn't even blink an eye. So this guy is like concrete in the family. He's never going anywhere. Um, so he's, I mean, he's, he's a huge part now. Um, other things that we like to do, I mean, exercise and healthy living has always been something that's been a fundamental in my life as well. So making time for, I mean, the most important appointment in the day Believe it, it's not, believe it or not, it's not with a listing. It's not with a buyer. It's not with, you know, it's not with Apollo. It's with yourself. And those are the appointments that we tend to cancel first. But if you stop investing in yourself, you can't serve anybody else. And it's going to take, you're going to get to that point. You'll see that. So I try and make sure that I have some kind of appointment with myself every single day. So then I can give my best to myself and then I can give my best to everyone else around me. So that goes in the form of, yeah, exercise is a huge thing for me. Um, I mean, love hanging out with Amanda as well. We love watching movies. We just bought Lego. I haven't bought Lego since like probably, I don't think I've ever bought Lego. We just bought a Lego set. I mean, Lego's not cheap. Lego is not no, cheap. Not. It's like a down payment for a small condo. Um, <laughs> we bought a Lego set that is the old school Nintendo with TV. We're, we're building that right now. Um, yeah, there's, there's always tons of stuff that's going on. It's uh, We like to have fun. We like to go on adventures. We're planning on going to Hawaii in April. So if anybody that's watching, if you've gone to Hawaii, we want to do three islands. Um, and we'd like to get your feedback of what to go see. I mean, we want to climb a mountain. We want to do, you know, deep sea diving, that kind of stuff. So if anybody's off watching, send me a message. Just like, Calvin, got to go check out this restaurant, whatever it is. There's my plug of the day. It's nothing about Calvin Realty. It's nothing about coming to do transactions. <laughs> Just tell me where to go to Hawaii. There we go. Hawaii. That's That's it. That's it. Love it. Love it, man. Um, yeah, I, I still need to take my wife to Hawaii. She, she's been dying to go there. Um, I, I, 
I, I really I really agree with what you, with what you said there is you have to put your own mask on before you can save anyone else, right? So you need to prioritize keeping yourself in check mentally, you know, physically, have your health in order, and then spiritually, right? So I, I, I love that. And that's the first thing to give. When, when we need time in our day, that's generally the first thing that we give. Like, I'll just skip my workout today. You know, I have a lot going on. I'll just skip that, you know. Um, so I, I love the fact that you prioritize that. Um, yeah. And Lego, yeah, I got a little guy. So uh, a lot of what he wanted for Christmas was Lego. And I end up building the Lego for him. And I've, I've noticed that there's a lot more options, especially for adults now when it comes to Lego. I was like, where was this when I was younger, you know? <laughs> it's um, yeah, you can other level. build anything. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole world out there with the Lego now. So, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Um, now, I know you said you're not plugging anything. Your only plug is Hawaii. But I am going to leave your info down in the description below. So, if anybody listening found value from this, which I doubt they, I, I doubt there's, there's any way that, that they can listen to this whole episode and not get value from this. You've given a lot. So if people listening, they're like, hey, Calvin's a cool guy. He's just so charismatic. I just want to follow him. And by the way, you should check out Calvin's uh, social media. He's he's a beast at it, though. Um, he makes some great content, some great videos. So I'll leave his contact info, all the social media info in the description below. Feel free to go check him out. Um, yeah. Calvin, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you are a busy guy. We had to reschedule this one, and I know your schedule has been really busy. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing with everyone. Thank you. My pleasure. It was great hanging out with you for the last uh, yeah. last hour or so. So it, it flew by like that, which is a good thing. It shows that you're very talented with what you do. It was good. I mean, I, I love answering questions. I like It's rude because I'm always the one asking the questions. So sometimes it's fun to be on the receiving end and actually you know, ask, answering them. So... Thanks for having me. That was fantastic. And, uh, and looking forward to, uh, to, to doing more in the future. Thank you for tuning in to Building Wealth Through Real Estate. If you're interested in learning how you can protect yourself and maximize your profits when it comes to fix and flips, then definitely check out the episode where I interview Dustin Racine. This is your host, Aure Noble, signing off.